It is uh, good to be back uh, and love uh, the opportunity I get uh, most weeks to preach the word. Uh, that's where I was the week before last. I spent the whole week. I've done this every year since I've been here, just gone to get training uh, in how to better handle the word of God uh, to kind of get it right and then get it across. Uh, and so I got to, if you want to see uh, just what that looked like, um, well, maybe. Uh, we can see what it looks like here in a second. Here's what it looked like. Uh, that's not what it looked like the whole time, but there's, I can see it on my screen. You want me to hold it up for you? Look like this. Uh, um, so anyway, I got together, uh, got together with uh, a number of other pastors, uh, and, and it's not like the kind of thing where you just sit down and listen to people teach you. you you're working the whole time. Uh, I had to do some work to prepare for it, and the elders were kind enough since I spent uh, time doing that and preparing for that that they then gave me the weekend off and grateful that Pastor Stan could preach. And uh, um, yeah, and then so we went on vacation then for the weekend. We took Saturday, Sunday, went to visit my brother-in-law and sister, and he's a new pastor at a church and got to be with their church family, and, and that was good. And anytime we go spend time with another church family, we just long to be back with this one. Um, but thank you for letting me go and get trained. The point of that training is that they say like, because I love it, um, there's all sorts of, of pastors from all sorts of different backgrounds and ages, and they just say, we're just here to make progress. We're doing kind of the basic stuff again. We just want to get better uh, at communicating God's Word. So thanks for letting me do that. Uh, I came across this quote uh, last week. Here, here's, I think, a good quote. Here's what it is. Suffering is a God-given opportunity to see the glory of God demonstrated in our lives. Good quote, eh? You know who that was from? Pastor Stan Johnson. Uh, that was from last week's sermon, uh, and, and I got to listen to it online. By the way, if you missed on a Sunday and just want to hear uh, what you missed, um, usually by Monday, uh, the, the audio of a sermon is up, and by Wednesday, video is up as well. So if you missed that, go ahead and go online and do that. And I got to do that. And, and you saw last week then, as Pastor Stan walked you through the first 12 verses of John chapter 9, that this is true, that suffering is a God-given opportunity to see the glory of God demonstrated in our own lives. We saw that happen as Jesus healed this man who was born blind. You saw that the disciples were a bit curious about, well, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? And Jesus replied to them, it's not about whether he or his parents sinned, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, this happened that the works of God might be displayed. So we're going to continue with this. There's a whole chapter in John dedicated to this man's healing and what follows it. So last week, we found this man born blind. Jesus heals him uh, with the mud and the pool and all that stuff. And now this week, we're going to be in verses 13 all the way through the end of the chapter. And we're going to see an investigation begin on the part of people who are pretty skeptical. We're going to see a lot of reversals in this too. The blind see, the seeing become blind, the teachers are getting taught, all sorts of stuff. In your bulletin, there's an outline there. There's not a full life group guide because of the Thanksgiving week. Most of our life groups are not meetings, but there are some application questions. If you've got a Bible with you, we're going to be in John chapter 9, verses 13 to 41. And here's the big idea today. Those who think they see may be blind, but those who know they're blind can be given sight. Title of the message is, Do You 
see. So if you're able to, um, and when I say able, we're going to be standing for a while. It's a lot of verses. Go ahead and stand. We're going to read God's word from John chapter 9. I'm going to pray first, then we're diving right in. God, what a gift (laughs) that I can stand here and I can hold on to what we can be confident is your word. And so, God, would you, by your spirit, work through your word to build up your church now. That those of us who need encouragement would be encouraged. That those of us who need to be pushed would be pushed. That those of us who need to be convicted would be convicted. All work that your spirit can do, and we pray that you would do it now for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 9, starting in verse 13, God's word says this. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So, they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Well, his parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So, For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He said, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You, sorry, Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, 
If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. You can be seated. All right, three points today. Uh, The first is that the blind try to see. And look at the first 11 verses to see that. So it begins with an investigation. Uh, Last week you would have read through and gone through together as a church verses 1 to 12. If you've got your Bible with you, we didn't take time to read that again today, but you might want to quick read that as I begin preaching so that you have the backstory. But we see an investigation beginning. Jesus had healed this man, and now the Pharisees have some questions, the Pharisees being the religious leaders there in Jerusalem. Now, they've had a problem with this before, and here the problem comes up again. We saw it in John chapter 5, that they don't like it when Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And the day when Jesus happened to have healed this man born blind was again on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. They already talked to him, you saw at the end of the passage last week. Now they're grilling this guy again. And so, that's the problem. It was a Sabbath day, and this man just says to them, tell you again, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. Like, he doesn't doesn't have a great medical explanation for this. He, he, He can just say, I... He put mud on my eyes, I went and washed, like he told me to, right? And now I see. This is the testimony that he gives to them. Now, this sparks some debate because the Pharisees start to talk about, well, Jesus, this man, he must be from God, he, or he can't be from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But then other ones are saying, but, but look at the kind of things he does. Look at these signs. Here, this is just another one. He's already done many of them. This man must be from God. And so there's division among the Pharisees. They don't all agree with one another. So they go back to the blind man. Ask him another question. What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he doesn't have much to say at this point, but he at least says this. He's a prophet, right? This man hasn't studied nearly to the degree that the Pharisees have studied probably hasn't been educated much at all, being a man who was blind from birth. Probably never read a word in his life because they didn't have Braille, right? And so here, this I can tell you this, he's a prophet. That's what I got for you. That's what he is willing to share. Now, they're still skeptical, so now they're going to go talk to the parents of the man who now sees. It says the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents. And now they're going to ask the parents some questions. Okay, is this your son? Right? And they ask the parents some questions. And this is going to spark a bit more debate. They want to verify that this is actually a man who was born blind who is now seeing. And, of course, the parents can identify their own son. But they are fearful of what happens to people who confess Jesus as the Christ. And so you heard as I read this that their response is, yes, he's our son. He was born blind. Yes, he sees now. But they're not willing to say much else because they don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. Just ask him, they say. He's of age. And so, point of application before we move on. And the point of application is first I want to notice this. 
that it's easy to be hard on these skeptical Pharisees. But these Pharisees, you might, if you think about it a little bit, what were they trying to do? They were just trying to do their job. There was all sorts of kind of false messiahs that would come up. And so they're just trying to protect God's people and do, they they want God's people to follow God's law, to know God and to worship God. And they don't want any, everybody to just go follow any sort of charismatic miracle worker that happens to come along. And so they're very skeptical. And so they've heard of this healing, they've heard of Jesus, they're having some debate, even amongst each other. Remember, they were divided. Not all of them were in agreement that Jesus could not be from God, and others thought, well, maybe he could be. So they're just trying to investigate, right? So in that, I see a point of application for us. For for you who are sitting here today, who, who may have spent a lot of time in the church, but maybe you're at a point where you're, you're a little bit skeptical. You have some doubts. You have some questions. I hope that you feel comfortable asking those hard questions of doing some investigation. I hope you, you don't feel like, well, everybody here has kind of got everything hammered out and I'm going to be an outcast if I start asking some questions, if I would express doubt that I have in any way. We'd love to walk through that with you. And so by saying that, I need to encourage us, church, we would, wouldn't we? If people have some doubts, if people are wrestling with some stuff and they're not totally sure, it's easy to get intimidated by that. Like, oh, they're smarter than I am, and I'm not sure I can answer all their questions. And so we can almost kind of back away and almost get a little bit defensive, right? That's just snow falling off the roof. Uh, If you're new here, that's what that sound is. But church, let's not be intimidated by people's doubts or questions. You know, while I was away with these pastors for that week, a week ago, um, I was sitting at a table with one pastor uh, who told uh, me and a couple other guys just over lunch one day that he recently had a conversation with his 16-year-old son. And I can't remember what the context of the conversation was, but the, the son said to his dad, Dad, I'm not sure I believe everything you believe. What do you think the response of this pastor dad was to his son? I wonder what his son expected his dad's response to be. But you know what this dad's response was? Cool. Cool, he said. Because he recognizes, this this, this dad told me, he said, I recognize that, that I got to hear a lot of stuff when I was a kid, but I had to get to a point where I did some of my own investigation. I had to get some of my own questions answered. I had to make this faith, not just the faith of my parents, but my own. And so when my 16-year-old son said to me just a few a couple weeks ago, Dad, I'm not sure I believe everything you believe, he wasn't taken aback, he wasn't defensive, he, he wasn't fearful. He was just saying, cool. And so now they're getting together every week to start walking through some of those questions. And his son is recognizing he gets a breakfast out of the deal uh, at a restaurant, right? But a cool thing, right? To, To just have this opportunity that people have questions. Let's not be intimidated and get defensive and kind of push them away because we're insecure about what we know. Let's invite that kind of thing. 
All right, let's move on. The investigation is going to continue, and we're going to see the teachers get taught. Verse 24, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, they're not referring to the blind man. They're referring to Jesus. They want him to agree with them that Jesus is a sinner. Give glory to God, they say. We know that this man is a sinner. Verse 25, I love this verse. Look at it. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. This man is is admitting. He doesn't know everything. He hasn't studied as much as the Pharisees have studied. But here's what he says. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I can't answer all your questions. You, You know more stuff than I do. But I can tell you what God did in my life. I was blind. And and I'm looking at you right now. I I see your face, and I've never seen faces my whole life until now. I was blind, but now I see. And now they're going to ask him, how did this happen again? And this is going to get a little bit heated. Did you notice as I was reading this? Now he's getting a little more bold. Rather than just one sentence, he's... He's pushing back a little bit. He's like, oh, you guys want to be his disciples too? Like, oh, is that why you're asking? I mean, he's getting, I mean that's the way I'm, I don't know if that's the tone, but, but as I read what he was saying, I was seeing that a little bit. And, and it seems that way because they respond to him not so kindly anymore. They're, they're done. They're done just kindly asking this man questions. It now says, see verse 28, and they reviled him. Saying, well, you're his disciple, we're disciples of Moses. See, they see those as being two different things. See, if they really knew what Moses said, they would really know Jesus. But they think they're, they're, they're two separate things. And so this, they, they got to choose is what they're thinking in their mind. We're, we're with Moses. You can be with this Jesus. We're going to be with Moses. We know that God's spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. They've gone back to that again and again. We've seen this. And now he's going to talk back to them again. uh, And again, kind of going back to his own experience of of what he's experienced. Verse 33, he says to them, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Again, I don't know everything you guys know, but I can tell you this. If this man was not from God, I don't think he could do the stuff he's doing. In fact, I think he could do nothing. They answered him, listen to this, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Put yourself in this guy's shoes for a moment, y'all. Put yourself in this guy's shoes. I mean, if you had spent your whole life blind, and now you can see, wouldn't you prefer to take a quick little vacation to go look at rock formations that people with eyes have seen and been amazed at for centuries? Wouldn't you love to go see a plant that, that you, have, you have felt and you have smelled, but you've never been able to see? Wouldn't you want to just sit with your family and look them in the eye? Oh, Mom, you're beautiful. Wouldn't you want to do that? But what's he doing? He's getting questioned by the religious leaders. 
what did he probably experience his whole life as he sat there begging, dependent on people for everything in his life? He probably got ridiculed and cast out a lot. And now he sees. And what does he get? Ridiculed and cast out again. See that? They answered him, you were born in utter sin. See, you, you were the way you were. It's your fault. You're going to teach us? What do you know? You have the education we have? You can't answer the questions we want to ask. Who do you think you are? You would teach us? The teachers don't like getting taught, and so they cast him out. Application for us, the man who now sees doesn't know as much as they do, but he knows what happened to him, and he's not afraid to share it think there's some application in there for us. Some of you, like I said, might feel intimidated to do evangelism. Pastor Stan talked to us and challenged us last week to be doing the work of evangelism. That's part of doing the works of God. But we feel intimidated to do it, especially with people who are smarter than us. But I love the example of the man who now sees. He doesn't know as much as the people who have the doubts and questions, the people who are doing the investigation, but he knows what happened to him, and he's not afraid to share it. So my question is, couldn't we do that? Couldn't we ask God to give us courage to just tell people who are smarter than us what we've experienced and what we know to be true, at least to do that? Maybe that's where evangelism needs to start. <laughs> God, uh, I've studied, and I've been in church, but I just don't learn very well. I, I, my, my pastor might be able to answer some of their questions, but I, I didn't go to that thing that he went to. I can't talk like, like we, we make excuses as to why we don't do evangelism, and a lot of it has to do with insecurity. Like, I just don't feel like I have a great story to share. I don't feel like I can answer their questions. I don't feel like I know the Bible well enough. Well, join the club. And look at this guy, the man who now sees. He says, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He can share that. And so this man who's now been cast out again, who's been accused of being a sinner, and that's why he was blind again, is going to encounter Jesus. You know, interesting, in all of this section we've looked at so far, a pretty big section, almost every major section in John, Jesus is front and center. Jesus hasn't been there for this investigation, right? It's this man and the Pharisees, the Pharisees and this man's parents, all of that. So Jesus hasn't been around for a while. But look at verse 35. I love this. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him. Before I even read Jesus' question, isn't this awesome? That this man, I mean, did he get what he needed from Jesus? Was he given sight when he was blind? Yes. But now this man who just experienced getting cast out again, getting shoved aside again by the religious leaders, Jesus goes to find him. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him. Jesus asked him a question because did this man need to be healed from his blindness? Yeah, but had he lived quite some time with that disability and gotten along? Yes. 
But this man needs something even more than being cured from physical blindness. What did this man need more than that? He needs to know the truth about Jesus. And so Jesus just flat out asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus often referred to himself in that language. It comes from Daniel chapter 7. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. I wonder if this guy got goosebumps when Jesus said that. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, you have seen him. You see how Jesus did that? You have seen him. Right? And it is he who is speaking to you. This man needed that. He needed to hear the truth about Jesus. This is what he needs to know. Remember why John wrote this gospel? Remember that? I've started the first sermon in the series. I actually went to the end of the book. Because John is a rare book in the Bible where the author just tells us straight up, this is why I wrote this book. Remember why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you may have life in his name. Right? That's what this guy needs. Did he need to see? Well, that's going to be convenient. Right? It's certainly more convenient to go through life with eyes that can see than it is to go through life with blind eyes. But this man mostly needed to know the truth about Jesus. He needed to have his spiritual eyes opened. Jesus says to him, you've seen him. It's he who is speaking to you. And this man says this, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This man got what he really needed. Not in verses 1 to 12. But in verses 35 to 41, this man got what he really needed. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I don't know if that meant he started singing a song. I don't know what he did. But on the spot, he sees Jesus. He's re- Jesus is revealed to him. He says, I believe, and he worshiped him. That is what this man most needed. Then Jesus says, this. Jesus says, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. See, Jesus coming is a divisive kind of thing. That that many, as Jesus comes, who think they see it all, that, that they've got it all figured out, they're the ones who in many cases are now rejecting Jesus. And many who, who felt like they, they, they didn't have a clue and they're not sure, they're the many who are now turning to Jesus. And so in that way, Jesus coming is, is a judgment, right? It's, it's separating people. Those who do not see may see. Those who see may become blind. See the reversal again that's happening here. Verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? You ever been in a conversation like that? You hear somebody say something, like, wait, is he talking about me? That's what these guys are saying. Like, are we also blind? Is that what you're saying, Jesus? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Why does their guilt remain? 
Well, because they, like everybody, is born a sinner, right? And so he says, your guilt remains because they think they see. They haven't yet turned to Jesus that he might take the blinders off their eyes. Instead, they they still don't believe the truth about who he is and where he's come from and what he is to do. If they were blind, if they, like this man, would acknowledge their blindness and come to Jesus for sight, then they would have no guilt. So there's a principle here as we get towards application of this. The principle is this. There's a lot of people who are blind and they don't know it. You agree? That there's a lot of people who are blind and they don't know it. I have a vision problem. uh, And I found out about it by going to the eye doctor a few years ago before we even moved here. Uh, I have some problems with my optic nerve in my left eye that that causes me to not really have peripheral vision much at all to the left side, which is not good for driving, right? Um, but but because of that problem, the thing was until I went, you know, that 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 test at the optometrist where you beep, you know, every time you see the light. It's like, well, I notice I'm doing my right eye and I'm beeping all the time. Like, when are they going to start turning these things on as I'm doing my left eye, right? Um, and uh, in this vision problem, the thing was, until I did that test, I didn't even totally realize how blind I was, peripherally speaking, in my left eye, right? I love chips, okay? And so if you were to set right over here uh, a, a bag of chips, unless I smelled them or heard them, I would probably not see them. I, I wouldn't even realize that that's there, that that. And if I did, I would likely go over there. But I see all sorts of things. And because I see all sorts of things, I don't even know what I'm missing, maybe off in my peripheral vision sometimes. Right? So I don't even, I won't even say like I have a, a vision problem because I can see all of you right now by just doing a little bit of that with my neck. Right? Uh, and so, so I can see really well. And then there's that principle I just shared that many are blind and don't know it. Like me, I was kind of blind to that partial blindness that I was experiencing. And I think that's the way a lot of people go through life. Blind to our own blindness. Because we can see lots of stuff. We can know lots of stuff. But is it possible to know lots of stuff and see lots of stuff and not see what you really need to see? It is, isn't it? And so I think of of many people who see lots of stuff. I think of those who teach. There's brilliant people. We have access to great education from elementary school to middle school to high school to our colleges and universities. Have brilliant scholars, brilliant researchers who know all sorts of stuff, way more than we do about lots of stuff. Yet many are spiritually blind. We have people who we look to for entertainment, who are extremely talented in all sorts of different ways, yet spiritually still blind. So it is true that all around us, many who think that they see, who think that they've arrived, and you would talk to many of them, and they would, they would maybe even admit this, some of them would, that though they know much, though they have achieved much, they still feel like something's missing. See, they're They don't even know what they're not seeing. People are often blind to their blindness. That might be you. 
you who have lots of life experience, you who have a great deal of education, you who are maybe smarter than your average bear, yet you could be spiritually blind if you do not know of your need for a Savior. So I want to end with this passage. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. There's many who do not see. It's like they have a veil over their eyes is what it's talking about in 2 Corinthians 4. And Paul writes to the church there and says that in their case, the God, little g, referring to Satan and his reign that he exerts in the world to some degree. He says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And what's the result of that blindness? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is the reality for the majority of people living in our world. They are facing spiritual blindness. They cannot see, they, they cannot see the, the light of the gospel, the good news of the glory of Christ. That, that Jesus is more worthy than anything else that they would give their life to. They don't see that. They don't hear that good news. They're blind to it. But Paul and others, me, others in this church, we want to proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We're simply servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, we who know Jesus, it's not that, well, we're just a lot smarter than all the other people who haven't figured it out yet. It's that we were once blind and now we see. And who did that? Jesus. Right? they might know a lot more about a lot of other things than we know. And our faith, though, isn't a blind faith. Our faith is a faith that's based on facts and based on a real person, right? But we also admit we don't see everything. We might not be able to answer everything. But what we most need is we need God to say, let light shine in darkness. That, that though we're blind and cannot see the truth, the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ, that he alone can open our eyes to that. That the people in your family who you love, who do not love Jesus, you're going to eat Thanksgiving dinner with them maybe this week, and they're spiritually blind. We need to pray ahead of time that God would do the supernatural work of taking blinders off of eyes. It was Paul that wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and that's the way he described his conversion experience. Even those who, like Paul, knew a lot. He was very religious. He was a zealous, intelligent man, yet he was spiritually blind until God made him to see. A lot of people need lots of stuff, and we think about that more around Thanksgiving and Christmas, but what people most need is they need to have eyes that will see the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And we ought to pray and work towards that end. So I've been praying that today would be the day in which some of you who have spent your life convinced that you see, because you're, you're educated, you know lots of stuff, that today might be the day you would humble yourself before God and say, I'm blind. But I know you can help me to see. And many of us have come to that point, probably again and again, where we realize how, 
how dense we are, how much we've missed, but but we can say, I don't I don't know everything, but I can tell you this, I was blind, but now I see. It's all by God's grace, and so we're going to close by singing about that, but I'm going to pray first. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. I think of where I was at around 18, 19 years old. Questions that I had, life that I was living, thought I was... I was uh, I, was, I had gotten good grades and a good scholarship and was a good at this and good at that. And yet I was spiritually blind until Jesus came and opened my eyes. God, I'm so grateful for your amazing grace that would save a wretch like me. That though I once was lost, you found me. That I once was blind, you opened my eyes to see. And that's the same story for lots of us. Maybe it was a different age, maybe it was different circumstances, but I know many of us in here have experienced that amazing grace. And there's many who have not, some in here, some outside of here. God, I pray that your spirit would be stirring up hearts, that more and more people would humble themselves before you, help us to be faithful in evangelism, that though we we don't know all the answers, that we would not be intimidated, that we would not be defensive, that we'd invite people's investigation. We'd have conversations and we'd at least promise to dig a little bit deeper and try to find answers and point them to you in the way that we live our lives, but in the words also that we speak. Thank you for your grace. We are undeserving and we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.